Now, we fly like Peter Pan from Disney's Magic Kingdom over to Epcot. An incredible day of exciting discoveries and new adventures. You're coming at just the right time, too, because this is the year of innovations, an incredible technology showcase. Now, our future world draws near, and we face the challenge of tomorrow. We must return and take command of our spaceship Earth to become captains of our own destiny, to reach out and fulfill our dreams. Sorry about the kick, Mom, but I'm starting to go a little crazy in here. Welcome to the Carousel of Progress. Now, most carousels just go round and round without getting anywhere. But on this one, at every turn, we'll be making progress. <laughs> and now back to our live broadcast from Mickey's Toontown Fair. Here's our local pilot, Goofy, with his own toon country hit, the solo pilot, Blue. W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello. And this is show number 166 for the week of April 18th, 2010. I'm going to answer more of your listener emails this week, including questions on Pal Mickey, Magic Your Way ticket options, finding specific characters in the parks, attractions for young children, free Disney trading cards, a look back at an extinct character meal, nightlife, restaurants, and so much more. I love exploring and sharing the wonderful stories created by Disney Imagineers in every attraction, shop, restaurant, resort, and almost everything you see and experience on property. But I especially enjoy having the opportunity to take a closer look at a location whose story may seem obvious on its face, but is still full of wonderful details and history. And this week, such is the case with Fantasyland's Pinocchio Village House. Jim Corcus joins me once again to tell some of the stories behind the stories in this DSI Disney Scene Investigation. I'll play more of your voicemails at the end of the show and have some announcements, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. I've asked you since the very beginning to send in your listener questions, whether it's about vacation planning or history or trivia, anything at all, and you have not disappointed. However, I have disappointed because I haven't gotten to them as fast as I would like to. So once again, it's time to open up the inbox and answer some of your listener email questions. And back by popular demand, that being hers, is Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Hi, Lou. <laughs> it's great to be back here to my demand. I, I will have to remember that that's how, how I, I get back on the show. Exactly. It worked. Exactly. Demands and checks. That That's what works. So You got it. I'll and, remember that. And, of course, affording us 
your vacation planning insights and uh, and wisdom. You got it. So let's get back. We got to get right into it because we are so far behind. We have so many emails that I want to get to. And the first one is short and sweet. Insert easy joke there. It comes from Shannon. And he, she says, hey, Lou, I know that pal Mickey has been discontinued, but I'd still love to try and get one for my son for his first trip in 2010. Do you know if there are any more in the kingdom or should I just start trying to get a deal on eBay? Thanks for your help, Shannon. All right, Shannon. So I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. I'll give you the bad news first because we sort of build up after that. Pal Mickey was discontinued back in October 2008. And for those of you who may not be familiar with what Pal Mickey was, is he was a small, maybe 12 inch Mickey plush that had this little receiver and speaker in him and he would interact with certain areas around the parks that would tell you about wait times or trivia and fun facts along the way now he was discontinued but here's the good news if you are an owner of a pal mickey or in your case shannon if you are a lucky owner that can find one on ebay no worries because they still work inside the park they've kept disney has kept the technology still going so pal mickey will know as you're walking around where you are as you explore all four of the theme parks and he'll still be able to tell you show times uh if one of your favorite characters is around some of the wait times he'll tell jokes um play different games things like that um love him or hate him pal mickey (laughs) still works and i've seen a lot of people becky still walking around with the pal mickeys either around their neck on their backpacks, in their arms, hanging from their belt loop on, right. on a keychain. Yeah, I've I've seen people walk around with them, but you know, quite honestly, more than anything, they've kind of been replaced by I don't know Motorola Droids, iPhones, <laughs> which of course giving you a lot of the same information. But like you said, you can still um, get them on eBay. I've seen them out there, but I haven't seen them anywhere else. Yeah, and I think and I think they're great for kids um, because yeah. you know maybe you don't want to give your five year old an iPhone just yet. <laughs> Unless you're to upgrade to a 3GS and want to just give them the old one. But in the alternative, uh, Pal Mickey is uh, is great. And I, they used to sell, I think they used to sell clothes for Pal Mickey. were able to change his yeah. outfits and things like that too. So, But it's nice to know that, they, that the technology still keeps going forward. But yeah, great point about the, uh, the technology, that, especially for the Verizon phones with the new right. mobile magic and the things. And we can talk about that more on a separate show. So... Moving on, Larry Horton has a question. Becky, this one's a little bit more maybe up your alley because Larry says, if I want to spend four days in the parks and two days in the water parks and that's it, do I need a four-day Magic Your Way plus ticket, water park fun and more or a six-day Magic Your Way ticket plus water park fun and more? Oh, I love the easy questions. If you want to spend only four days in the four main theme parks and be able to park up, get a four-day park hopper because that'll cover you four days in the parks. And then you get your water park fun and more option, which will cover your two days in the water parks. Right. Those water park two days do not have to be used on the same day, obviously, as a park day. They are it, That really is like a six-day ticket. ticket. Correct. So, see, you didn't even need the abacus for this one. And, and there was math Slam involved. dunk. <laughs> All right, so moving on to Martin in Abilene, Texas. He says, hey, Lou, I'm going to be heading to the world in May 2010 for my honeymoon, and my fiance is a huge, huge Lion King and Simba fan. 
other than the Festival of the Lion King show over at Animal Kingdom and, good catch here, Martin, the Circle of Life movie at Epcot, are there any other Lion King attractions or experiences that we can go to, such as character meet and greets, events, parades, etc.? Thank you for your help. Your show always brightens my day. That's the goal. And again, that's from Martin. All right, so Martin, you got the big ones out of the way. Festival of the Lion King, Circle of Life. Too bad Legend of the Lion King still not playing at the old PhilharMagic Theater. So, Becky, this is your test. Oh, geez. Come on. <laughs> it's going to get me in trouble again. In Give me, all right, one... here you go. I'm gonna. Here's your test. I'm thinking Rafiki. Sorry, because so, I know Rafiki can be found at Animal Kingdom and on, on occasion at the Character Connection. And right, this, he, he can also be found. He can also be found. Planet Watch. Planet Watch. He can also be found. <laughs> so you blew the show. I was going to give you. I was going to say mention three, and I would have bought you dinner somewhere, but you blew. Oh no! Geez. So Rafiki can also be found quite often in Adventureland, just over the bridge from the hub, outside the Adventureland veranda. There's a meet and greet there. You'll often find Rafiki. So, give me two other places. Stop looking on Google. Give me two other places where you can find references to the Lion King. Uh, 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 oh, <laughs> I come on. I totally just gave you the ones that, that I had off the top well, of my Well, you missed the easy head. ones, I think. Well, I know, but see, I, I'm a fan of Rafiki. That's one of my very, very favorite characters. So th- when I think Lion King, that's where my brain automatically goes. Um, two words for you. The, the parades? What? Two words for you. Uh-huh. Mickey's Philhar Magic. Oh. <laughs> Right. You know, There's that big one. scene in the middle with, with the Lion King music? Yeah. Okay. I do remember that part. That That's a good Simba Simba piece there. Okay. One more word for you. Uh-huh. Fantasmic. You've got Lion King music. You've got Lion King characters. You've got the tumble monkeys on the barge. Indeed. Where are we going to dinner? One more. <laughs> I've got one oh. more for you. Okay. One more. Think. Think. Think characters. Think Magic Kingdom. He's the, there almost, every day, all day, all like day? it or not. I was full. It's not the parade then, right? It's not a parade. Oh, dang. All right. See, I it's was It's a bird. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's, oh, it's what's his name? <laughs> yeah, it's what's his name. That's exactly how they had Disney want you to remember him as what's his name. <laughs> Usually I'm, He's a hornbill. What? He's a hornbill. <laughs> what is his name? Do you even like Disney? Seriously. Zazu is over at the Thank Enchanted you. Tiki Room. I could see him. Under new management. Say, I just couldn't say the name. All day, I'm, every day. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, Martin, um, and to, to somewhat answer, yes, there's, there's plenty of character meet and greets. Certainly, when you go to Disney's Animal Kingdom, or even when you go to the Magic Kingdom, ask where you might find some Lion King characters. You could also use, if you're a Verizon customer, might as well plug the mobile magic again, because you can do char- you can find characters there. Mickey's Philhar Magic, Fantasmic, and you can go check out Zazu over at the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. Oh, good. Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's an easy one for you, because guess what it has to deal with? Yeah. Uh-huh. Food. Sean says, I have hopefully two quick questions for you and or Becky. First, my daughter will be 15 on our next trip, and we're trying to decide on what she can and cannot ride. The main things we disagree on 
or, oh, I'm sorry, she's going to be 15 months. Excuse me. I was going to say 15. <laughs> wow. I think she could decide for herself. Excuse me. She's going to be 15 months on her next trip. The main things we disagree on are pirates and the mansion. I saw she can ride both, but my wife said no. Who is right? Sean, real easy answer. Your wife is always right. That's that's the answer. Your wife is always right. However, in this instance, you might be able to make her understand and use me as an example. Not that I'm a very good example. Both of my children's first attractions were Pirates of the Caribbean. They both went about six, seven, eight months or so um, as infants. Uh, my daughter was fine. She loved it, just sort of paying attention to the sights and the sounds and the music. My son fell asleep, so he was perfectly fine. They also rode the Haunted Mansion had no problems with the dark at that point. And I, and I assume that's probably what you're concerned with is maybe the dark or the drop in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, right. You, I mean, nobody knows your kids better than you. So you have to kind of determine their personalities and what they might um, be able to handle. Yeah, I completely agree. It completely depends on the individual child. If the dark is going to scare them or like you said, I think the unexpected drop in pirates might be something that's a little jarring. But at 15 months, they're still kind of, you know, looking around and trying to figure out their atmosphere. So uh, it totally depends on on your family. And listen, for some people, the dark in those rides is a good thing for the 15 month old because it gets them out of the heat. It gets them out of the sun. Yeah. And, and like my, my son, he napped. He napped there. So um, so here's your question, Becky. If somebody says to you, Becky, oh, my favorite travel provider, we're going to take our child on her first trip. She's 15 months. What do you think it should be I mean, for us? Like it was like the ceremonial first ride. I will forever tell people my kids rode pirates first. And I tell them every time we go much to their dismay. What do you suggest as that ceremonial first ride for somebody bringing their young child? You know, um, just so you know. Wow. Think about yeah. this. For a second. Your answer may potentially make or break a child's future. Depending oh, on how much blue. they love or are scarred by the by the attraction. So, <laughs> all right, hey, mine was almost Matterhorn, but okay, I was seven, and the the big huge Yeti thing in there scared me. But um, <laughs> for a really young young child, I, you know what? <sighs> the first thing that went to my brain, believe it or not, was it better Dumbo, not be bu- it better be not be Bugs hard. Life. <laughs> that's all right. You're going to make me say it. That's a good question, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> that means I don't know. See, she does. She's not using the interesting thing anymore, but that's what she's I saying. Is I? Again, that's one of those things. It's a great question for for you because, you know, you do have young children, which I have not. So uh, I'm going to actually, here you go. I will save you. Yeah, I will okay. post that question it's a small on the world. blog. Ask people to come and comment <laughs> either there or Twitter or Facebook or the forums and if see what they want, think. Yeah. If, Perfect. If you want to scar them for life, it's a small world because, you know, then I, when you're like. I disagree. I wholeheartedly <laughs> disagree. I, I think small say, world is a when, great attraction to take them on first. It's very, um, uh, you know, unassuming. It, it's very light. Um, there's no scary things jumping out. All the animatronics are about the same size as your child. So it's not like there's these giant Yeti things popping out all over the place. Plus, you have Sherman Brothers music. That's very true. So, oh, anything in the Fantasyland area? I mean, uh, there's just so. Uh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait. What? Any Snow White scary adventures? It's not all that scary, really. The witch. That Don't, scared you? It's still. Are you easily me. scared? No, I'm not. My name's okay. not Tim Foster. Just. So you know. <laughs> That'd but, be great. But that potentially can be scary. There, there. I mean, it's called Snow yeah. White's scary adventures for a reason, not Snow White's. You know happy rainbow unicorn adventures for a reason so 
<laughs> All right. Sean's next question, Becky, is uh, is hopefully more up your alley and less Thank opportunity you. to scar a child. What is the best character dining option not in the parks? Oh, my personal favorite, and I keep going back to it, is Chef Mickey's. I knew you were going to say big, I I'm a knew big you were going to say Chef Mickey's. I'm a big fan of the characters there. I like the classics. And one of my very first visits to Walt Disney World, that was one of my very first meals that I had was at Chef Mickey's. And I just, I love the music. I love the upbeat atmosphere. I love the characters. I, you know, love the whole, that's where I learned how to twirl a napkin and hit the people around you without scarring them. You know, I mean, it's, it really is a wonderful way to start off your vacation. I, listen, you, you can't go wrong with Chef Mickey's, again, because you've got Mickey himself there. So uh, right. and that's certainly a no-brainer. There are some other options you might want to consider. Over at the Grand Floridian, you have 1900 Park Fair. Uh, right. At the Beach Club, you have Cape May Cafe, which is a nice... I like the breakfast there because it often isn't very crowded. You get a lot of time with the characters who are all dressed for their, for their day at the beach. Um, over at the Swan, there's also a character meal over at the Garden Grove, another one that's often overlooked. Think about things like Mickey's Backyard Barbecue mm-hmm. over at Fort Wilderness. Breakfast again over at the Polynesian with Lilo and Stitch over at Ohana. And a couple of things to think of. Now, your daughter's 15 months, but just sort of sock this away for, I don't know, seven years from now. Over at the Grand Floridian, the Perfectly Princess Tea Party or the Wonderland oh. Tea Party. Right. Are nice too. And listen, princes can go too. Princes and princesses are allowed to go. So, <laughs> but yeah, Chef Mickey's is a, is a great choice. Yeah, certainly. it's the staple. Very For me, it's so. the staple. All right, moving on. This question comes all the way from Portsmouth, England, and it's from Kara Richards. She says, Lou, I am looking forward to our next trip to Walt Disney World, and I enjoy collecting all the freebies that can fa- be found around the parks fast passes, flyers, maps, etc. Love this question. I was browsing the web this morning and read something about the Walt Disney World transportation collector cards for the monorail, buses, and the ferry boats. Do you still know if Disney hands these out? They sound like a fun thing to do to keep as a souvenir, but not sure if this information is old or out of date. I know my husband and I would have a blast collecting these during our next trip. Thanks so much, Kara. This, Kara, so good that you found this out because this is... One of those overlooked pieces of hidden treasures and unadvertised magic in Walt Disney World. And again, they are free. Becky, of course you know about the transportation collector's cards. You know what? I do. <laughs> <laughs> because I, some, a friend of mine introduced me to them about a year ago, I think, when somebody stopped and asked one of the, uh, one of the boat folks, the ferry boat guys, if they had a, a card. And in, in fact, he did. And I kind of sat there and went... What the heck is this? Much like you said, another one of those overlooked. You don't know that that extra magic is there for the taking, and you basically just have to stop and ask. Yeah, and and like you said, they do come. Um, they are free, and they are related to all the different modes of transportation. So there are three different ones for the buses, three for the watercraft. You have to get them on the ferry boat, the motor launches, and the motor cruiser. And there's obviously the twelve monorail-based cards. So I don't know how that may have changed since. The new monorail is put in service. Um, you can't buy them. They're not available in a store. You have to actually go and ride that motor transportation and ask your driver or your pilot or your skipper for one of the trading cards. Not all of them may have it. Um, getting the entire set is going to be definitely a challenge, but I think a fun challenge. 
Um, but again, there's 18 of them. And, and certainly if you ride, if you use the free transportation system, it's another thing to sort of go out and look for and get um, and to trade with people, too. I'm sure you can find people to trade them. Oh, yeah. I, I love this type of stuff. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, is obviously each card is different. There's a picture of each mode of transportation on the front, mm-hmm. a different name on the front. And on the back, right up Blue's Alley's, lots of little trivia and fun facts. Cool. So very cool. Yeah. Great, great question. Again, a little bit, little hidden treasure right there, the, the transportation cards. Next question. Not from England, this time from Australia, all the way from down under. This is from Vicky, who says, hey, Lou and Becky, love your show. Been listening from the beginning. My husband and I have been to Walt Disney World three times now and are planning on coming back next year. We're bringing our friends who have never been before. In fact, they've never even left Australia. Wow. We are celebrating both of our 25th wedding anniversaries. Awesome. And both guys will be 50 next year. So I have three questions. We'll take these one at a time. First, we're trying to decide between the Beach Club and the Wilderness Lodge. We've stayed at Animal Kingdom and Port Orleans before. We're not going to have a car because driving on the wrong side of the road is too stressful. (laughs) Good planning. Good planning. What do you suggest in light of the fact that our friends have never been before? Beach Club or Wilderness Lodge? Ah. These are two. These are my two favorites. These are my top two uh, in that order. You know, and I have to say, I have become quite fond of Beach Club, especially if you're going to spend a lot of time at Epcot, um, and if you don't have a car, because you've got the boat transportation that can take you over to the studios and to Epcot, or you can easily walk to Epcot. You can go through Epcot and grab the monorail to go to to um, Magic Kingdom if you want, or there's the bus transportation. If you're going to center your time around um, the Epcot area, Beach Club would be my first choice. If you're thinking you're going to spend more time at the Magic Kingdom and in that area, of course, Wilderness Lodge. But I I like them both. I'm very um, – uh, I like both of the resorts pretty much <laughs> equally, but it's the Beach Club. I just love the location. I know, look, this is a really tough one, and I could certainly argue yeah. – for both, you know, you said you're going in December. Um, you know, I think there's something about Wilderness Lodge with the holiday decorations and the feel that you get there and the warm, roaring fireplace. Beach Club, location, location, location. Love yeah. the amenities. Uh, love the fact that you're on the beach. You can walk pretty much everywhere. Wilderness Lodge, the only thing about it is that you are somewhat more removed from the rest of property. So you are going to spend a little bit more time on Walt Disney World transportation, which will give you a chance to collect all the cards. But um, while I I love the the ride to the Magic Kingdom via boat, and I think that's an attraction in and of itself, it's a a beautiful thing, just keep that in mind. And if time becomes an issue, that's something you might want to think about. Yeah, another thing too, though, is that if they do stay at Beach Club, they can go celebrate those wonderful anniversaries by getting a kitchen sink at Beaches and Cream. <laughs> Look at and you know <laughs> I'm the food. guy that I'm the guy that gets the bad reputation about uh, bringing everything back to food. <laughs> hey, we haven't done that in a while, so I, I had to I had to try. We have time. She's getting to question three. All right, question two right. says we used to love the Adventurers Club, don't we all? Kunkaloosh. but we were wondering about jelly rolls. What is it, and would you recommend it? Okay, so this will tie in to location, location, location. Jelly Rolls is a dueling piano bar located on the boardwalk side of the promenade of Crescent Lake 
It opens about 9 o'clock every night. There is a cover charge. It is 21 and older, but it's a great, fun time. If you're looking to go and spend some time, do a little singing along with the guys who are incredibly talented. They know literally, Becky, every song there is to know at the piano bar. Um, really one of the one of the best ways to spend an evening um, over in Walt Disney World. I highly, highly recommend going to check out Jelly Rolls. Well, I know that this is going to come to no as no surprise to you, but I still have never been to Jelly Roll. Oy so day. I know, I know. Hopefully this spring I might be able to step in there. So we'll see if we can work it into the uh, into the schedule so I can <laughs> agree with you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And what you can do, um, uh, Vicky, is maybe go to eat somewhere on the boardwalk or on the Yacht and Beach Club, go to Yachtsman Steakhouse or even somewhere at the Swan and Dolphin. Love Il Molino, by the way. Um Spend some time, wander the promenade. There's always a lot of entertainment out on the boardwalk. Then make your way over to Jelly Rolls and spend your evening that way. So this question, Becky, is all you all the time. Because <laughs> she says we have to have a food question. She loves Chico and the flying fish. As an aside, love, love, love flying fish. But this time we thought we would try something else as well. We've never been to California Grill. Oh, what? yes. <laughs> No need to wax poetic. They're already going. Sorry. She just wants to know what time should we book in order to see the fireworks? <laughs> well, if it's you and I, you go at 530, eat one of everything till the fireworks or the kitchen runs out of food. <laughs> but of course, she's probably, she's pretty much, I think she's probably smarter than we are. Um, so I would try, if you can, for around 730. You might not get a window table, but you can view, you know, from the from the balcony around seven thirty for me, and the and the rate that I normally eat when I'm not with you um, <laughs> works out beautifully for dessert to come right up on that uh, on that you know wonderful time that the fireworks go out. The beautiful thing about California grills, they don't rush you. You can pretty much kind of really enjoy the courses and the food, and and then of course see the. Um, See the fireworks. But another great thing is that if you do prefer to eat earlier, you can always return for fireworks, show your receipt uh, at, the, uh, at the desk, and then they'll let you go up and view it from the balcony. Great tip. Great point. And Vicki, it sounds like you have a wonderful, wonderful anniversary um, coming up this year. So enjoy. Oh, yeah. So, Becky, uh, it's International Day here at WDW Radio because the next <laughs> email also comes from the UK. Hola. Did you say hola? Yes, I did. You know, they don't say hola necessarily in the UK, but that's all right. We're going to move on <laughs> because Emma Godbold has a question. She says, hey, Lou, I've just logged on to buy the next audio guide CD and thought I'd drop you a line. First, I want to say a big thank you for everything you do, running the site, podcast, daily diary, all the Twitter and Facebook updates, Celebrations Magazine, the monthly meets, etc., etc., etc. All these make it easier for us fans in the UK, where we don't say hola, to survive until our next trip. <laughs> We are sadly, which are sadly and enviously not as frequent as our fellow Disney nuts in the States. Seeing you as consistently and tirelessly fill our heads with Disney trivia, I hope that's in a good way, I thought it'd be nice for me to ask a little Lou trivia question or two, and I'm so frightened. Wouldn't that be okay? I guess it is because I've already started reading. The first is an obvious one. If you could meet Walt, what would you say to him? What wow. would you say to? What would I say to him? Uh, wow! To, wow! You look great. You look. <laughs> you look phenomenal. Um, what would I say to Walt? Uh, wow! Um, where do you start? Where do you start? How much time do I have, Emma? Um, 
You know what I would say to Walt? It's very simple. I know my answer. In all seriousness, I would say thank you. And I would shake his hand. And I might even give him a hug. You know, you just you just stole my two-word <laughs> easy answer because, you know, for me, after totally making a fool of myself gushing about how the, you know, world he created has impacted my life and influenced my business philosophy and so on and so on and so on, it really does come down to just, you know, reaching your hand out to to this guy to say, you know, not only thank you for creating this, but for having the the guts and the ambition and the the vision to to create this thing that we are, you know, so gaga about. Uh, listen, I was able to to stop myself from getting all weepy, but you're right. I mean, <laughs> for me and for you, and I think for a lot of people listening, you know, you may never have met the man, but Walt Disney changed my life. Yeah. You know, I'm doing what I'm doing because of what he believed in and what he created and his philosophy and his ideals, and it has helped shape me as a person and, and my entire family. So, um, I will move on and just say thank you. And, oh, by the way, can you carry my book in the parks? The second question <laughs> is, listen, as long as I got an audience with him, I might as well ask. <laughs> the second question is this. How do you do it all? I find I don't have enough time just looking after myself, my partner, and my cats. How do you organize your time to get everything done and still be a family man? My mom will be over in a couple of weeks taking a long overdue Disney break following a period of illness, no better place to celebrate, and she's hoping to come to a meet, and she knows what a massive fan I am, hoping to say hello to you on my behalf. Fingers crossed that she gets to finally meet Mr. Mangello. Keep up the good work, Lou, and thanks for everything. Emma, I hope to meet you and your mom. Um, that would be my pleasure. But how do I organize my time to get everything done and still be a great family man? Um, that's the <laughs> secret, isn't it? Um, wow. Lack of sleep is definitely... Um, <laughs> Definitely, listen, I will say this, family first. I always put family first, but Emma, I am passionate about what I do. This is what charges me up. This is what gives me reason to get up every day and move forward. And see, I get excited when I talk about this and when I get to share something that I love so very much in this manner. I, I, sleep is an inconvenience um, and, and juggling sometimes is tough. Mm -hmm. Juggling is definitely tough, but um, you do what you got to do to get it done and to have fun, to keep moving forward because life is too short. So yeah. thank you for for um, thank you for listening and for for supporting that way. And oh, Becky's yeah. a big help too. Yada yada. <laughs> well, thank you. No, I, I, I was going to say, just imagine when they do finally figure out cloning technology, you you will be able to rule the world. <laughs> just make me all I ask. Just make me taller, smarter, and better looking, and clone me to your heart's content so I can juggle all the stuff that I have because I, I, I have so many ideas and just time is yeah. my enemy. Emma, yeah. time is my enemy. Um, if I had more time, I'd be rolling out a lot more stuff, but stay, but, but stay just, tuned anyway. Stay just tuned. to add to that really quickly, I think you and I agree on this. I mean, I, I feel very blessed that we found something that we can do for a living that is also something that we're truly passionate about and believe in because then it, it doesn't make it work. It's play. In a lot of ways, you know, not to give away that, yeah, this this really does include some work on the back end, but I really feel blessed for what I do, and, and I, th I think you do as well. Oh, without a doubt. So much better than practicing law and or doing IT stuff. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, back to the States. This time it's from Denver, Colorado, and it's from Stephanie hola. Murphy. They don't say, well, I, I'm sure some <laughs> people say hola in Colorado, but they say 
International flavor. Moving on. Yippee-yay, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> hey, Lou and Becky, my fiance and I are going to get married either May 29th or 30th, 2010, at the Yacht Club Wedding Gazebo, which is beautiful, by the way. Yes. We're going to have approximately 20 guests, and instead of doing a rehearsal dinner, we want to take everybody out for a nice dinner. However, we're always having a horrible time trying to figure out where to eat. Stephanie, you've come to the right place. <laughs> We're really going to confuse you, probably. <laughs> Some of our guests don't like seafood, go figure, and others just love it. Italian's always a safe bet, but we'd like something a little more unique. There will be 12 adults and 8 kids, ranging from 7 to 12 years old. We're hoping to keep the bill between $1,500 and $2,000. Is that reasonable for such a large group? If you go to Pecos Bills, absolutely. Can you re recommend a restaurant that can accommodate all of us and is kid-friendly. I heard about a dinner at the Polynesian Resort, but don't know much about it. Would that be good for such a large group? Also, how do you make reservations for 20 people? Would it be just a standard ADR, or should we call the restaurant directly? Any advice you could give would be greatly appreciated. Now, Becky, before you answer, let's we're going to do it backwards. Let's talk about making the reservations for 20 people, yeah. then let's talk about our suggestions. Well... They do have a, a special department called Disney Group Dining, which you're going to want to talk to them, um, especially if you have 10, or I think it's over 10 people in the in the group, but definitely for 20, you're going to want to call them. And I'll, we'll, I guess, pull up the, the phone number for your show notes, Lou, because I don't have it handy. But um, work with them because they work and know the restaurants that are best accommodated or can best accommodate the large groups. Um, they usually are the ones that have the space to easily configure tables and a kitchen that can provide that many plates of hot food at the same time. So I, I think, and I'm sorry, I just, I'm just going to jump right into the, the recommendation. That's why they brought up the Polynesian Resort, uh, which I believe is going to be Ohana. They have a great... Or they work really, really well with large groups. They can easily pull tables together. It's the the meals are served in such a way that they can serve a meal to twenty people easily at the same time. Um, that really is a great option for families. It does have uh, choices and options that can accommodate most every person's taste and liking, and they really can accommodate groups at any time during the the dining period. Great question. Great answer, Stephanie. Yeah. I have other options for you. Excellent. Uh, many restaurants around property actually have some areas that they can sort of section off for groups or, you know, meetings or, or whatever it might be. Now, you mentioned Italian being a safe bet. You want something more unique. I'm going to tell you, you're, you're probably thinking, well, Italian, I've got to go to Tutto Italia. I think not. Head on over to Il Molino at the Dolphin. They actually have, or is it the Swan? The Swan or the Dolphin? One of the two. One of the two big buildings over there by Crescent Lake. Um, <laughs> first of all, they have a room, in it, which I've been in because I've gone with my very large family. Look, my name ends in a vowel, so, vowel, so easily we always have more than 20 people. Right. And I've also taken my kids. Um, the other thing, too, is the food there is exceptional. Um, the service is outstanding. I took my kids when they were younger. So if you have seven to 12-year-olds, they'll be fine in a restaurant like Il Molino. I've also eaten with my large family. I think we had 21 or 22 people over at Cuisina. And if you walk into Cuisina all the way in the back, past the kitchen, there is a little area 
that they can sort of close off for you. We had that whole room kind of to ourselves. Um, I think there's many locations like that on property, depending on what you're looking for. But obviously, Becky, your answer mm-hmm. is right. Calling uh, calling group services, as far as group dining is concerned, they will be able to help you out as to what they can accommodate. But food-wise, love Il Molino and love Cuisina, just to throw them out there, because Becky always says California Grill for every answer. Well, I, so. I see, <laughs> you got to take... Here's the point. You got to take me to more places. There, so Il Molino. However, you said that I have not been there, obviously. So I guess we have another research trip to chalk up to your credit card. And I've spent with Becky with another woman, not my wife. <laughs> I've spent four and a half hours at Il Molino, and uh, they have a beautiful bar outside. The service is outstanding. I'll have to do oh. a, a full review about Il Molino one of these days. Well, I guess I'll have to go check that out because I haven't. Another point about group dining, I will say, is that many of the restaurants can accommodate. They're better to accommodate the larger groups if you can dine before 6 p.m. or after 8 um, rather than right in the center. So you might find a little bit more success on flexibility with some of the on-property resorts if you're willing to be a little bit more flexible. Il Molino also has a great wine list. And if you're bringing eight kids, you might need a bottle of wine or six. So <laughs> just, I'm just throwing it out there for you. All right. Let's move on from, uh, from Colorado to Maryland. No, they, oh, Ola is not the official <laughs> greeting of Potomac, Maryland either. But we have another, Steph. And she says, Lou, love the podcast. Been listening off and on since you started. I go in phases where I don't listen to podcasts for months and then I'm obsessed again. I'm back to the obsessive phase. I still have a few few years, but I'm thinking about my kids' first trip to Walt Disney World. I'm planning on doing it when my daughter is seven and my son is four. They're three and a half and one right now. This was the same exact age that my brother and I went on our first trip to Disney, and I really want to try and do the same things that I did on my trip. It was February 1986. The main things I remember was that my mom took me back to the Magic Kingdom one night and left my brother with my dad. We rode the Haunted Mansion and Big Thunder Mountain twice. My four-year-old brother loved Space Mountain while I screamed bloody murder the whole ride. But (laughs) going back to our former question, he was terrified on Snow White and the dip in Pirates made him cry. (laughs) Evidencing the question before. We stayed at the Polynesian, did the hoop-de-doo review, and went to two character breakfasts. And this is the part that's a little fuzzy. My parents said that one of the meals was at the contemporary, Chef Mickey's, Mm-hmm. And the other was on a boat. Oh. I don't remember the boat, but I'll take their word for it. <laughs> Is there still a character breakfast on a boat? And if not, do you know what the character breakfast was that my parents took us to? I've been four times since this trip. We've never done another character breakfast, but I can't wait to go with the kids. Thanks for the podcast, Steph in Ola, Potomac, Maryland. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I might be wrong here, but you're, I'm going to take a stab at it. Was the breakfast on what what's now Fulton's Crab House? No. No. No, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Oh, gee, I was going to say, there's no way that that can... Wasn't it um, the lily? The um, You're hurting my ears. Wait a minute. Stop, uh, stop Googling, for God's sake. <laughs> it was the Empress em- Lily. Empress Lily. Phew. And in the 70s, right? Yes. Way yes. before my time. <laughs> yeah, the um, the Empress Lily was actually the very first character breakfast. It was, and it was known as Disney's character breakfast. Um, this was in the late seventies. She was built in seventy six. She was about two hundred and twenty feet long. She opened in seventy seven. 
Right. Star Wars. Star Wars and character breakfast at Empress Lily. How could you possibly go wrong? And yes, it was. Uh, she was named after Walt Disney's widow, Lillian. Hence the name Empress Lily. Um, she had the paddle wheel on the back that actually used to turn. Doesn't turn anymore. Uh, I actually did a DSI with Jim Corcus about the Empress Lily um, because it was a really, really unique dining experience. They had multiple rooms inside where you could dine in, each sort of themed a little differently, like there was the Steerman's Quarters and whatnot. Go back to show 123, which was June 14th of 2009, and you'll hear us talk uh, at length all about the lily and the breakfasts and all the different meals you can have in there. Um, Really, I I remember that as well and, and still have in storage in New Jersey somewhere my pennant and my certificate. They gave you a certificate when you had breakfast, which was beautiful of a picture of the Empress Lily on the water, and it was surrounded by um, pictures of classic Disney animated characters, and it was signed by Mickey Mouse. Oh, that's cool. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just impressed that I remembered this from one. I remember we had a question f- uh, several shows back, and it's like, yes, I'm, I'm happy now. All right. Well, I'm going to give you, we're going to do one last quick question before we run out of time, because this one says, hey, Lou and Becky. I have to bring somebody else on to do emails just so you, wait, you know. No, wait, 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 wait. No, I'm hoping I'll, I'll tell you what. Can... I'll, hold on. I'll do the top 10 and Tim can come do this for a week. <laughs> emails on. with Becky continues as I'm hoping you can help me with this semi-hypothetical question. <laughs> if I want to buy a four or five day ticket to Walt Disney World and I'm not staying on property, do I need to pay extra for the non-expiration option? Now, I'm not trying to sneak around any rules. This is more out of curiosity, but really... Does How does Disney know how long my trip is going to be if I'm not staying on property? How long is the time of use on an a la carte ticket? Thanks so much. Allie from Centerville, Virginia. Allie B. on the forum. Hola. Hola. I, I like this one because it's an easy question. You can hold on to, once you purchase it, you can hold on to your voucher. Um, but once you actually use the ticket, it's only valid for 14 days. So unless you buy the no expiration feature, which, of course, then it doesn't expire. But once you've actually used the ticket, you only have 14 days to use it, and then it's, it's done. There you go. Nice and easy. No math. And we, we're not even going to end on food, although she did say a la carte, which, but that's anyway. Yum. Becky Mankin from <laughs> MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Thank you, as always, for your help with a la carte questions, dining options, vacation planning, a little bit of history and trivia thrown in on this one and so so much more for more information to get a quote from becky or her team for your next walt disney world disney cruise line <clears throat> disney dream in 2010 2011 Woo-hoo! sorry adventures by disney uh. disneyland and so much more you can click on the link at wdwradio.com or visit her at mousefantravel.com thanks lou appreciate being here again and and i'll have to figure out what restaurant you're taking me to next if, hey, remember, if I can dream it, you can pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the worst sign-off ever. <laughs> Got to keep you on your toes. Okay, how about um, if, I can, if I can find the menu in the restaurant and book it, you can pay for it. Still the whole paying for thing that we got to get away from. Well, well, I, sorry. You, you owe me.
I've said in the past that while working on my audio guide to Walt Disney World CD tours of the different lands of the Magic Kingdom so far, it's been so much fun researching and investigating and exploring so many of the stories and the details and the fun facts and some of the little secrets that the Magic Kingdom has to offer. But it's also been very frustrating as well, simply because I've been restricted in the amount of time and what I can cover in each of the audio guides. And I particularly found that in Fantasyland, one of the oldest and richest in history of all the lands in the Magic Kingdom because of its deep ties back to Fantasyland, because of the classic tales here, and because of so many wonderful details, I hated to be constrained by time, and I found that in so many different areas as well. One in particular was not necessarily an attraction or a show where I would have to go back and go through its history and as well as the history of the current attractions, but in a restaurant and a dining location here, and that's Pinocchio Village House. And you'd say, well, okay, it's, it's a dining, it's a restaurant, it's a counter-service place, it's been the same way since day one. Lou, what could you possibly have to talk about about a restaurant that hasn't really changed very much? Believe it or not, there's a lot because there's a very deep and detailed story here which I only could gloss over not only because of time constraints but because there were so many questions that I didn't have the answer to. And so who do we turn to when that happens? Jim Corcus, Disney historian, expert, researcher and writer extraordinaire and of course good friend and friend of the show and writer and contributor for Celebrations Magazine. Jim, welcome back. Well, you know, the things I do to get a free meal. I can, I, but again, I, I admit it's my own fault. I was standing by the entranceway to on-ramps for one of the on-ramps for I-4 with a little sign, we'll tell Disney history for food. Lou happened to be driving by. I see food, the rest is history. And listen, we're at Pinocchio Village House, so you're a cheap date. We're not fortunately telling the story of of Victorian Alberts just yet. Uh, very, oh, by the way, I've got some great stories for that. Um, no, one, one, of the, one of the great things about the, the Disney theme parks is the fact that they are a theme park, and, and theme relates to, to story. And, and, and in the beginning especially, uh, the beginning of Disneyland and also the, the beginning of uh, Magic Kingdom over here, there was great attention to detail in terms of, of, of telling that, that story. Um, Fantasyland uh, alone was uh, Walt's version of It's a Small World. It, it, Fantasyland was supposed to represent the entire world. That's why you had uh, Snow White from Germany and, and uh, Peter Pan from the UK. And uh, uh, here we have uh, Pinocchios, you know, from, uh, from Italy. And uh, this was really not the fantasy land that, that uh, was originally supposed to be here at the, the Magic Kingdom. Uh, they were talking about doing a, um, uh, a headless horseman ride where Mr. Toad was, and a Cinderella ride where Snow White was, and a Mary Poppins ride where Peter Pan was, where you'd ride in an upside-down uh, umbrella over, uh, over London. But it all came down to, you know, by golly, we need to save m money so that this comes in within budget, and gosh darn those uh, uh, Imagineers, uh, it, it actually cost more because they wanted to improve the ride. So instead of just duplicating Mr. Toad, you had a double track. Uh, here, Peter Pan's ride, much, much uh, 
uh, larger. Um, but something that's that's very unique and and people you know just pass by very quickly is uh, uh, Pinocchio's Village uh, House here. Yes, just another merchandise location, and and yes, there seems to be some uh, artsy uh, little details and uh, over here, but there's really no story. There, there's quite an elaborate uh, story. Pinocchio is is one of my very favorite uh, Disney animated films, and. Uh, Lou and I were talking a little earlier that even though this takes place in, in Italy, there seems to be uh, a lot of German influence, in, including the fact it's called Pinocchio's Village House, H-A-U-S, which is a, a German word. Well, one of the concept artists for Pinocchio was uh, Gustav Tengren, and he brought that uh, German sensibility not only to Snow White but uh, to Pinocchio as well. And uh, when you take a look at the restaurant from the outside, it seems to be divided into to different little uh, uh, shops or different little houses. And the reason for that, and very few of us will ever get this opportunity, if you look from above uh, on Pinocchio's Village House, it's the exact same look and the exact same scene as the opening of the animated film Pinocchio, when you have that multiplane shot and you're going in and you're going into uh, Geppetto's uh, village uh, for the first uh, time, you get that it was designed that. How many people are going to see that? And yet they designed it that way. When the Skyway was here, we might have had a better view. Ab- you know, I never thought about that. I Wait a minute, there's no way that. I just told, I taught Tim, <laughs> mark this day down. Well, you know, nobody can know everything. You know, I'll bet that 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 was uh, part of the the deal. Okay, now I'm the smartest man in the world. You know, you can always learn something. Now, out in front of um, uh, the uh, Pinocchio's Village House, you'll, you'll take a look. And, of course, there's uh, uh, Stromboli, the puppeteer's uh, wagon out there. It's a merchandise cart now, which in some ways is probably in keeping with his personality. Uh, but up in the... Um, uh, Belfry, you see this beautiful, beautiful bell. Well, once upon a time, it actually used to be much more beautiful. John Hench himself located this bell, and it was the exact tone that he was looking for. John, uh, John was very conscious about uh, colors and, and sounds, and for him to find a bell where it's like, this is exactly the tone that is, that is going to bring to mind Pinocchio and and the Disney animated films and, and Italy at this uh, time period. Pretty amazing. But in those days, um, Magic Kingdom was actually being uh, uh, built uh, long distance by, by people from California. And they were adapting to this new culture out here in Florida. Communication wasn't strong. The bell got shipped out here. And as I was telling uh, Lou, one of my favorite stories is the story, of course, of uh, when the haunted mansion opened, the custodians went through and you know vacuumed all the cobwebs and the dust and all of this. This is a similar story. The bell came out here, and somebody took a look at it and said, "There's a dent in the side, and it's a little rusty. That that's not Disney quality." So they hammered out the dent, they polished off all the rust, and sure enough, when John Hench flew out to hear the bell, did not have that same tone. And uh, of course, there was no way of bringing it back. Uh, to that, and so now the bell doesn't ring. You have the uh, audio track um, uh, announcing that. Um, but as we said, Stromboli's wagon was out there, and if you uh, 
go directly from Stromboli's wagon, you see there's an outside staircase that leads in. You can, you can go up that staircase. There's also an interior one. And you come in, and there's this long, thin uh, section where, there, where there's barely enough room for, you know, a single table and, and, and uh, chairs. And you think, for crying out loud, if Disney's going to build a, a balcony, it's going to be something like Columbia Harbor House or whatever, you know, so that you have more room. No, the reason for that is you're in Stromboli's room. It'll say so on, on the side of the wall there. That little thin area is the catwalk where the puppeteer would be, and he would drop the marionettes down. And if you're not sure, then take direct, look directly across, and you'll see the, the faux stained glass windows, and you'll see the marionettes on their strings, the long windows hanging down. So this room was dedicated to Stromboli the puppeteer and was designed as an outdoor puppet theater. And I think that's why there was always so much confusion. When you came in and you came through this main dining area, when you looked at the counters where you would order, if you looked up, you had faux skylights with, with, with fake sunlight coming in, and clearly what was what purports to be an outdoor area where you're eating. You see from the, the glass and you see from the facade. So now it un, we understand why you really aren't inside when you're in this main room. Ab- absolutely. And, and, and that would uh, happen. Uh, some of you have gone and seen uh, uh, puppet shows at parks and all of that. And, and so, you know, you'd go out to that uh, outdoor uh, food court. Although this is, uh, this is a little bit more permanent location. If you look closely, you'll see uh, a little roof, shingles and all of that uh, uh, above that. So uh, that's a little bit more permanent. But So obviously this was done for more than... Uh, puppet shows. Probably there were other theater uh, presentations or celebrations here, but but that's part of the story. And uh, as you're familiar, each room is uh, dedicated um, to a particular Disney character. And uh, one of the rooms is dedicated to uh, Cleo, the, the, the fish. Now, when you go into that room, follow Cleo, because on each panel, she's moving. She's moving. And where is she moving? She's moving to the end of the room where it dead ends in that glass where you can look out and see it's a small world because she's still trapped in her... Fishbowl. Absolutely. Another Jim Corcus aha moment. When you say it, it makes complete and utter sense. But for all of us who've been here a hundred times, you would never necessarily pick that up. And, And there's really not a room that's specifically dedicated... Uh, to Geppetto, so that's why in that Clio room there, you'll see some of those uh, uh, cuckoo clocks and all that uh, Geppetto would work in, because the fishbowl is in that area of uh, uh, his his workshop, and so you've you've got uh, uh, some elements for that. Uh, but Lou, there was there was something in here also that confused you. What was that? So I will tell you that even before I was researching. My Fantasyland audio guides. I've been in this restaurant countless times because I always eat when I'm here. And there are two. Uh, they almost look like they're almost like they're yeah, like porcelain-looking structures, um, four-sided structures up against walls with uh, beautiful tile work on them. And then, of course, I would go up to cast members because like there's no doors, there's no nothing to see about them. They're just sort of innocuous on the side and I would ask cast members if they knew what they were and I got everything from 
a glossed over look on the face to cast members who would run away in fear trying to get their managers. No one has known the answer. And again, that's the, come on, Luke, just go ride the rides and, and be done with it. And I finally thought to ask Jim Corcus, who, surprise, surprise, knew the very simple answer. They're ovens. And they're authentic uh, ovens. They're actually German ovens. And uh, in the bottom, you would put coal and wood. And uh, generally, they were bakery ovens. So you're not going to... Uh, um, make uh, huge uh, things of meat and all of that, but, but usually bread, uh, that type of thing. They're both authentic. They both still work. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody has ever... Nobody knows what they are. <laughs> Nobody's attempted. But to the best of my knowledge, even people who knew what they were never operated them, but they were purchased, they're authentic, and uh, uh, they do work. But again, this just points up the, uh, uh, the sadness of of how many stories are already being uh, lost in, in these areas, that there really are not documentation videos for the areas. They're really not um, documentation uh, booklets or, or uh, magazines for that. I was talking with Lou about that uh, earlier, and um, there's two reasons for that. One, of course, is storing all of that material. Uh, back uh, uh, a few years ago when uh, every Disney uh, department had to be uh, revenue producing, uh, if you couldn't produce more revenue, you looked to cut back on uh, what you were spending. And so one of the first things that went, and this was very true even in Imagineering, was uh, documentation that was stored. So you shred that, you got rid of that because you were paying uh, money to, to keep that in, in storage. Now, not everything was destroyed. Uh, what was saved was oftentimes uh, paint swatches, things like that, in case you had to repaint an area. But uh, the story behind some of these things, gone. And the other reason why there's no documentation is uh, literally goes back to the, the Disney Animation Studio. If you started there as, as a new animator and and you had a problem or you had a, a question about a film, somebody would say, uh, well, why don't you go talk to Ub Iwerks? Why don't you go talk to Les Clark? They worked on that film. They, could, they, they can ex explain that for you. And it didn't occur to anybody that some of these people would never be around to, to answer it. They were always there to answer those questions, and you were always looking forward. You were never looking back. And as a result, we've lost... Uh, you know, so many of those stories. And, and that's true of uh, the locations uh, in the park, too. And as a result, um, things get removed, things get changed, and it affects the story and sometimes affects the story in a negative way. But how can I blame people if they don't know what the story is? Exactly. And speaking of story, we, you mentioned the rooms here. This is a place that, again, it much like we've talked about in the past, places uh, like Pecos Bills, you might eat in the Monstro Room, you might eat in the Cleo Room, but while you're here, take some time and wander around because this really does tell the story. It recreates a story in beautiful murals throughout each of the rooms and in the hallways of Pinocchio from beginning to end in pictures and in words, and it's just so, so well done. And I... I you know, I hate seeing sometimes people running in and running out without appreciating the story behind the story. 
And uh, again, I'm, I'm not a hard nose where, you know, I don't like any change whatsoever. Some change is good and for the better. I, I, I enjoy having uh, Captain Jack Sparrow introduced into Pirates of the Caribbean. I thought that that was tremendously well done. One of the changes that happened here at uh, Pinocchio's Village House, which I, th- I think was very good, is they've changed the menu now, so it's now Italian themed. So, of, of course, that's what Pinocchio would have. It's from Italy. You would, you would have those things. Of course, uh, to, to raise my grumpy old man cane and, and vent, wh- one of the things that's uh, missing from here now, of course, is Figaro fries. And uh, 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 poor Lou here, I found, has never had Figaro fries. So one of you listeners out there, one of these days, you're going to have to, uh, you know, corner him and make some Figaro fries for him because he had no clue what that is. And uh, it was one of those little hidden treasures that, you know, some of us Disney fans have, you know, when we visit the park. Oh, yes, if you go here, you can have this, and it's only here. Um, But on the whole, I think transforming to an Italian menu helps uh, helps with uh, uh, the story here. I absolutely agree. And just for anybody that is interested in making me Figaro fries, I'm not going to put up much of a fight. I, I don't think you would either. But uh, again, you know, a, a great quick look at something that certainly should be much better appreciated, not just by listening about it, but by walking around and seeing it for yourself and experiencing it for yourself beyond just the Italian menu. Well, I, I, I definitely think I've earned my meal today, and, uh, and I've especially earned it if those of you who are listening will realize that it's not just the attractions that have stories. Many of the merchandise locations, many of the uh, uh, restaurants, and they have stories as well, and it's a wonderful thing to go out and discover those and, and find little ahas and share those with your family and friends. And, and I hope some of the, what we've shared today uh, you'll go out and share. Share the stories. Keep them alive. Well, and that's why I appreciate so much you coming on because you, more so than anybody else, knows those stories. You get it from the Imagineers themselves. People like a Blaine Gibson or a John Hench that worked on these things, and you are doing us a service by passing them on. And I'm hoping that through the show and through some of the other things that I do and that you do, your wonderful stories that you write for Celebrations Magazine more people will finally get to hear them and will hopefully pass them on. Don't keep them a secret for yourself. Pass them on as you tour people through the parks or write about them and credit Jim as the person that that passed them along to you uh, because they should be told and they should be shared because it will enhance everybody's experience every time they come to the parks. And if Robert Iger is listening, if you want to buy me dessert sometime, I'll be more than happy. It doesn't have to be Victoria and Albert's. All it is is chocolate. Got to be chocolate. I will be more than happy to, to tell you some of these stories. Thank you very much, Lou, for having me again. Thank you, Jim. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in. And my apologies again this week. Please forgive how I sound on the intro and outro. I actually had to cut out this week's news and rumor segment. Really didn't like how it sounded, how it came out because of whatever it is that I'm fighting. 
I promise I will bring it back next week to talk about the latest news and a couple of rumors that I've been working on over the past few weeks. Be sure to visit the website over at www.radio.com. There you can not only comment on this week or any of the past week's show notes, but you can find the latest videos, including the interview I did with Ridley Pearson from Walt Disney World last week, as well as new videos coming soon. Come by, comment on the daily blog posts that include photos, news, trivia, vacation planning, history, and lots, lots more. And you can also come by, check out the forums while you're on the site as well. There you can also purchase signed copies of my Walt Disney World trivia books and the audio guides to Walt Disney World and get a link over to celebrationspress.com where you can subscribe to, order back issues of, or find out how you can be a part of Celebrations Magazine. A couple of quick announcements and a reminder and a special announcement for something that's coming up in the future. Some upcoming events include next month's Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World. It is going to be Saturday, May 22nd. This one's going to be a little special for a number of reasons. This one is going to take place over at the Studio Catering Company at Disney's Hollywood Studios from 2 to 4 p.m. Again, that's Saturday, May 22nd. That is going to be part of the 24-hour live show and the video broadcast and chat that I will be doing from Walt Disney World starting at 10 a.m. May 22nd, continuing on, I hope, until 10 a.m. Sunday, May 23rd. If you're in Walt Disney World, you can come by the meet of the month. We'll be broadcasting from there as well as, well as other locations. I'll be posting uh, a tentative schedule up very soon. But remember, you can also be a part of the fun and watch from the box at wdwradiolive.com. I'm going to have a lot of ways that you can engage and be a part of the show. And more importantly, we're going to be, I'm doing this to raise money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation through the Dream Team Project. So there's going to be a lot of surprises, a lot of ways that you'll be able to help raise money and sponsor a, a seriously ill child's wish to visit Walt Disney World in a lot of fun ways. And if you're going to be there, if you're going to happen to be in Walt Disney World at that time, I'm happy to announce a special event that we have planned. We're going to have a private viewing of Illuminations on Saturday night that's going to include a dessert party, and it's also going to give you a chance to make a difference as well. Saturday, May 22nd, from around 8.15 p.m. until 9.30-ish or so, when Illuminations is over, we are going to have a private WDW radio meet uh, there uh, in Epcot at a location to be announced in the future. But it's going to be $25 per person. That's going to cover the venue fee as well as desserts, beverages, taxes, PayPal fees, all that kind of stuff. But what we're also asking you to do as well is to donate a minimum of $5 per person to the Make-A-Wish Foundation through the Dream Team Project page. For more information as to how you can be involved, how you can join us at this really fun, special event, and again, that we're holding really to benefit a good cause. I'll put a link in this week's show notes where you can go on over to Mouse Fan Travel. There you can purchase tickets. We'll also give you instructions on how to make the donation and send that over um, so you have that confirmation as well. If you can't be there again, hopefully you can come by uh, and visit us during the live broadcast from the Studio Catering Company. Remember, it's Star Wars weekend. It should be a lot, a lot of fun uh, broadcasting from there. Other events... Later on this year, hope to get a chance to meet you at include the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet. That's August 14th at Linwood, Washington. 
There's lots of special celebrities and events and things going on there, including Margaret Kerry. Bob Gurr is going to be there as well. That website is pnwmousemeat.com. I will be there. I'll be speaking. I'll have a table. I'll also be broadcasting live from there as well. We're also looking to set up something for D23's Destination D event, September 24th and 25th. So if you're thinking about coming out to Disneyland for that, stay tuned because we will be putting together uh, some group events and a package if you're going to come out there, uh, some events over in Disneyland. October 8th through the 12th is Congaloosh. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I had Robert Crossgree from the Congaloosh Society come on to talk about that very special event that includes a tour from Jim Corcus. And if you enjoyed this week's show and some of the past week's show, you're going to love hearing from Jim take you through the great movie ride uh, live and in person, then having dinner and a private show on stage at the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular after the park closes with the original cast from the Adventurers Club as the Adventurers Club characters performing a show never before seen by guests. If you register and join the WDW Radio Explorers Tribe by May 1st, you can save $50 on your registration fee. I'm also going to be hosting a Jungle Cruise tour and meet. Jim Corcus is going to have another session the next day. There's going to be a show and sale, a Q&A with the Adventurers Club cast, another banquet and dinner on Saturday night, uh, lots, lots more, a couple more events on Sunday, including another tour maybe uh, with me and maybe with me and Jim. For more information, you can visit Conga Loosh, C-O-N-G-A-L-O-O-L-O-O-S-H. I'll put it in the show notes this week, .org, uh, for more information. And of course, the countdown is, is still on for the WDW Radio Cruise aboard the Disney Dream, February 27th. You've heard me talk about it. The cruise is filling up, so if you are thinking about joining us, definitely head on over to www.radiocruise.com for more information. A free, no-obligation quote. Remember, too, you can deposit yourself on a room. It's fully refundable until about 120 days out. So if you're on the fence and thinking about it, please come and join us. We're going to be announcing just some of the special events and maybe a few surprises that we have planned during that cruise as well. If you want to get on the air and play listener fact or fiction, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com with your name and your phone number, and I may just call you and ask you 10 true or false trivia questions about Walt Disney World for a chance to win some semi-valuable prizes and have some fun along the way. But if you have a question that you want answered on the show, you can email me at that address as well. Or if you want to be heard on the air, you can call in with a question, a comment, a suggestion, just a saying hi from the parks to the toll-free voicemail line at 888-703-2171. Please come by, follow me over on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash and join the WDW Radio Show page over on Facebook. That is facebook.com slash WDW Radio. Thanks again to Jim Corcus this week and Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel. They are my recommended and exclusive travel provider. For more information and to get a no-obligation quote from them, you can visit mousefantravel.com. And as always, the biggest thanks goes out to you, my friends, for taking the time, for tuning in, and so if you like this show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Go by on iTunes. Post a review there. If you're on Twitter, 
tweet out that you're listening to the show and hopefully enjoying it and share it and pass it on to other people, other friends of yours. And thank you once again. And remember to always, always keep moving forward. Life is too short. So take that first step towards following your dream and have a great, great week this week, everybody. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is uh, Brian from Philadelphia, and I literally just walked out of a screening of uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty. In fact, uh, Mr. Schneider, who was on your show, uh, showed up to present it and even stayed afterwards for an hour to uh, have a question and answer session. Uh, Great, great movie. I hope you get to see it. Uh, Everyone should go see it. Uh, It was a lot of fun, and uh, he was very entertaining to listen to afterwards. Uh, I told some really funny stories, Uh, one actually about uh, how the time he and Alan Menken, uh, way back when, at one point went on uh, Spaceship Earth, and when they got to the top of the ride, after passing all the dioramas and saw the uh, planetarium part and the Earth, uh, he leaned over and said to Alan Menken, wow, this is really, really beautiful. And Alan Menken just muttered, the music's horrible. And then what he was trying to point out was uh, how Alan Menken uh, hears the, or sees the world and hears the world through music. And uh, that's all he could focus on at that point. Um, I myself actually love Space uh, Report, so uh, hopefully his, his opinion has changed. But uh, it was a funny story and uh, really great movie. Uh, highly, highly recommended. Uh, very funny, very moving, and uh, was a real treat to see. And uh, it was great hearing them on your show. Uh, so looking forward to hearing your next show. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Renee from Fort Collins. And I've been so busy trying to get my master's finished up that I forgot to call and tell you the good news, that I got accepted to the college program for fall of 2010. So once I get done here, I'm going to head down there in August, and I hope to see everybody when I'm down there working in transportation. I'm very excited about it, and I'm so glad that I took your advice and um, went for, you know, what I wanted to do and what was going to make me happy and kind of fulfilling a dream of going and working down in Disney World. So thank you. And I'm excited, and I, like I said, hope to see everybody there. All right, bye. Hey, Lou, this is Casey. I'm, um, <clears throat> I'll be moving to Florida soon, and I'll be going to Disney World a lot more often, which I'm really excited about. And I'm more excited because after finding your show recently, I'm actually pumped. <laughs> Well, the thing is, I, um, I'm i a little behind on your show, so some of these, um, I'm kind of bringing back to your top ten list for things you miss, and I don't actually remember you mentioning um, the Wonders Pavilion, uh, that was, bet- I think I'm saying that right, it was between Horizons and, um, Horizons and Universe of Energy, and um, I maybe I just was out of the room or something when you had mentioned it, but... I don't know, or maybe you just didn't miss it that much, but uh, I was just curious if they're actually going to do anything with that because the last two times I was there, it was closed, and if I'm not mistaken, it's no longer on the map of Epcot, but I could be completely wrong But from what I remember because uh, I always like Cranium Command and Body Wars and all the little interactive stuff that they had there, um, but I, I, don't, I don't find any of them there anymore, and I wasn't sure if they're actually going to do something with that pavilion, or they're going to make it like a conference area, or something like that, and uh, like, like I don't know, I don't, and I'm <laughs> sorry to trail off, but and then the Millennium Village, that was I think in Epcot between Canada and 
the UK for like a a year around 2000. Like I noticed it, it's still there, but it's nothing to do there. So I was curious what that was. Um, sorry for two questions, but uh, I um, but yeah, I just want to say I love your show, and I love listening to it. I uh, listen to it when I'm at work, and um, yeah, have a good day. Hi, Lou. Um, my name is Brandolyn Hanson from Utah, and I'm in California right now. We flew in this morning, and we're going to the Disney Archives. So that's really cool for me. Bye.